Good morning, Lighthouse family. We are reminded this morning that the name of Jesus is above every name, on heaven, in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, and that nothing can defeat him. We thank you this morning, God, that the name of Jesus is above COVID, is above sickness, and we stand and proclaim the greatness of your name this morning with joy. At your name, let's sing it out. At your name, the mountains shake and crumble. At your name, the oceans roar and tumble.
King of Kings, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, we've come to worship and to say that we surrender not our will, but your will in this coming year. You know all things, and we're grateful that you are the great one. We bow before you. Happy New Year. Guys, we made it. Like this, this is the time that many of us have been waiting six months or more for, right? We have been looking forward to the end of 2020, the beginning of 2021. And, and I don't know about you, but this year I looked forward to the new year very differently than I have in any other year past. Because typically I look forward to the new year with this thought of, I wonder what next year is going to look like. I wonder um, what I want to do differently. What, you know, habits do I want to begin forming next year? I feel like more like 2020, we were more thinking of it like a marathon. And we were in the middle of it. And we were just trying to get to the finish line. That's all we're doing is just, just survive to the end of 2020 and it's all going to be good. And so we find ourselves in this very strange place where we have crossed the finish line. We've stumbled across it for some of us. We've survived, but now what, right? And, and, and the thinking goes, if we could just get across from midnight on, on New Year's Eve to, you know, 12.01 on New Year's Day, it would all go back to normal, and we can just go get back to our regularly scheduled lives, but that's not how life works, is it? I mean, we know this, but I think in our heads we know this, but I think in our hearts, many of us have been holding out hope that at 12.01, there would be that general reset and we could go back to like what it was like in January of 2020. I'm beginning to feel almost like in 2021, we should just skip the month of March just to be safe, right? Maybe that would be, maybe we can avoid any more catastrophe. But... Typically, this time of year, I stand in front of you and I lay out the plan for, for the year. This is where we're going. This is going to be the posture we're going to take. This is what we look forward to. Here are going to be the events that we're going to be doing. And the reality is, if there's anything that 2020 has taught us, and I think it's taught us a lot, but one of the things it's taught us is that the world and life doesn't give a, a care one bit about our best laid plans. Right? As the saying goes, man makes his plans and the Lord laughs. I feel like God has been smiling a lot as we have continued to say, okay, so in September, it's going to go back to normal. Oh, okay, maybe it's going to be November now. 2021, it's going to, we don't know. And in a lot of ways, I feel a little bit like the Israelites wandering through the wilderness we have seen God do some amazing things as we look behind us. We've seen him with these 10 plagues begin to shake the grip of the most powerful king in the world and to release them from slavery. The, the Israelites had seen God separate the waters and lead them through on dry ground. And then as they turned around and watched, God decimated the most powerful army in the world without them having to lift a hand. They'd seen God's faithfulness, and yet now as they look at their reality in that moment, 
they, you know, they're not comfortable. Things aren't clear. They have to trust God every single day. They, they, they go to bed at night with no food in their tent, having to trust that there will be food in the morning. Every time they empty, they take that last sip of water from their jug, they have to trust that God's going to provide more water, perhaps out of a rock. I would imagine that it was incredibly uncomfortable for them during their wilderness wandering, so much so that some of them began to reminisce about what life was like back in Egypt. Some of them even wanted to go back, despite the fact that back in Egypt they were slaves. At least there, it was familiar territory. Can we just go back? Moses, why have you led us out here into the wilderness to die? Weren't there enough graves back in Egypt? And at times, I find myself feeling a little bit like Moses. I, I don't know what he experienced, but I would imagine it was probably a little uncomfortable during those wilderness wandering years to walk through camp and to endure the questions, right? Moses, where are we going? Moses, how much longer? Moses, are we there yet? Right? I just like you guys think it was bad journeying with your kids on a one-day trip in the car and the amount of times they asked you, are we there yet? Imagine leading a people for 40 years with no clear-cut answers. I would imagine that Moses probably got weary of that. And yet, Moses had one major saving grace, and that's the fact that he was not the one who was ultimately leading the Israelites. You see, God was right there in the midst of them, in the form of a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And you don't have to turn here with me, but in the last verses of Exodus, we read this. <clears throat> in all of the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and a fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. So here was the rhythm of life as the Israelites traveled through the wilderness. Whenever the people looked to the cloud and they saw it over the tabernacle, they just relaxed. They weren't going anywhere that day. But when the cloud lifted and began to move, they took that as their cue to pack up their tents, put it on their shoulders, pack up the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, and they followed the cloud. And when it settled back down, the people knew to set up camp. They started with the tabernacle. That tent of meeting where the, the Spirit of the Lord would meet with Moses and Aaron and others. And then they would begin to set their tents up all around it. And so quite literally, God was present with his people that entire 40 years of walking in the wilderness. He was with them every step of the way. And whenever anybody would ask Moses, so Moses, where are we going? Moses, how much longer will it be? Are we there yet? Moses wouldn't need to give an answer. He would just need to point to the cloud and say, just keep your eyes on God. He's the one leading us, not me. Keep your eyes on him and he'll let us know. And I think that that's a really important thing for us to remember as we find ourselves in this season because like Moses, I don't have the answers. 
I don't know what the next days are going to look like, let alone weeks and months. I don't know how much longer COVID is going to linger. If anything, what I'm finding is that here in Costa Mesa and in Orange County, it's only increasing. In the last week and a half, there's been a number of people in our church community and extended community that I know of that have contracted COVID. I don't know when we're going to be able to throw open the doors and say, come on back in. I don't know when we're going to be able to have a bonfire where we get to burn these ridiculous things that we have been having to wear all year. I don't know. And yet the, the saving grace that I find myself having is that I don't need to have the answers. All I need to do is say, hey guys, I and you just need to fix our eyes on God. We need to follow him. We need to follow his lead. When he moves, we will move. And when he says, be still, we'll be still. Of course, this, this raises an interesting question of, well, how do we discern when God is moving, right? Because Unlike then, we don't see a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. It would be really nice if he did that, but we don't have that to look to. So how do we begin to discern when God is moving? And the reality is, although we don't have a pillar of cloud, we don't need to, because God has revealed himself in a much more personal, much more intimate way in the form of Jesus, the Messiah. And that's why this year, what we are going to do as a church is we are going to take a walk with Jesus. We are going to begin to study one of the most beloved books in the entire Bible, the book of John. It's a, it's a book that tells the story of Jesus' interaction with humanity, but it also tells the story of how God began to interact and the ways in which Jesus reflected the heart of God. In, in ways that the Israelites never could. So we are going to watch and we are going to learn and we are going to begin allowing his presence and his example to shape our lives, to begin to shape our values, to begin to shape our approach to doing life in this broken, messed up world that we find ourselves living in. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds our tomorrow and the next day after. And we're going to follow Jesus' example. In a way, what we are going to be doing is over this next year, we are going to be discipled by Jesus by, by walking with him through the book of John. And I'm really excited for that. We are not, it is not our intent to just get through it as quickly as possible so that we can kind of put a notch on our belt and say we've accomplished it, we've studied the book of John. We're going to take our time. Just like we did in the book of Acts, just like we did in the book of Philippians, we are going to take a slow journey. I have, a, I have an idea of how long it might take us, but as I found that sometimes God wants us to lean into even one verse and allow that to be what shapes our perspective for that week. And so I'm not sure how long this is going to be. All I can tell you is that we're going to keep our eyes fixed on God and we are going to follow Jesus' example for this year. Now, another question that I know many of you are thinking and wondering, because it's a question some of you have actually voiced to me, is, well, what does that mean for our gathering? Because one of the things we miss is being together, and I miss it too. 
I miss being able to see most of your faces. One of the reasons why Christmas Eve, our candlelight service out in the um, parking lot, was perhaps my favorite service of the entire year is because I actually got to see your faces. And I miss you. But, I also recognize this. I recognize that there have been some things that have happened in Washington, particularly in um, the Supreme Court, that have suggested that we have the right, as a church, to meet despite what what our governor or our city council might say. But just because we have the right to do something doesn't mean we should do something. And this is what I want to talk to you guys about. Because we recognize that we are not our own. We, last year, we spent a ton of time as we worked through the book of Philippians, we spent a ton of time talking about the fact that we cannot think of ourselves primarily as American citizens who have rights that we can flex and protect. Although we find ourselves in America, although we have rights, we are not primarily American citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom of God if we have said yes to Jesus Christ. If we call him our Lord, we are no longer our own. We were bought at a price, and so we can't live for our rights. Instead, we need to think first and foremost about what is it, Jesus, you would want me to do? How now shall I live as a citizen of your kingdom, living in a foreign kingdom, this kingdom of this world. And I think that scripture is pretty clear about that. Because from the very first pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we read that God created humanity in his image to be his representatives, to reflect his heart into this world to help carry out his purpose and his plans. And that was always his intent, even though sin screwed it up. Even though sin kind of began to garble humanity's ability to recognize who we were and what we were about, God's intent was always for his image bearers to represent his heart into this world, even when it was messed up by sin. And when all of humanity didn't do that, he decided to carve out a small group of people, the Israelites, to be his representatives. And he told them, guys, I'm setting you apart not because there's something inherently special about you. You're one of the least tribes in all of the world, but that is for my glory, not your own. Because I'm going to take this little nothing group of individuals And I'm going to turn you into a holy nation set apart to be a kingdom of priests who represent my heart to the world. Guys, I'm going to bless you. But that blessing is not for your comfort alone. That blessing is so that you can turn around and be a blessing to the rest of the world. And in so doing, you are going to be a conduit of my love to this world. You're going to be like a light fixture that radiates the hope that you found in me to the people around you so that they will come and find their hope in me as well. That was always God's intent for the people of Israel. Unfortunately, they kind of misunderstood why he chose them. They began to take those blessings and hoard them, like Schmeagel with his precious, right? They began to think it was about them. They began to think of themselves 
in a nationalistic manner where they were concerned with their safety, concerned with their comfort, concerned with their grip on power far more than they were ever concerned with God's intention and his plans. And because of this, they were willing to make choices that preserved their own comfort at the expense of their witness. And so because of that, God had to take matters into his own hands. If the people of Israel wouldn't represent him, he would represent his heart himself. And that's why Jesus, God, the, the, the divine word through which God spoke the world into existence, as we're going to talk about next week, why Jesus took on human flesh and came into this world and began to live with humanity. It wasn't just because he was coming to redeem us, which he was. It was also so that somebody, anybody, would finally perfectly represent the heart of God. And that's what he did over the course of his ministry, is he represented the heart of God. He represented the values of God. And the irony that I find is that the, the people that Jesus experienced the greatest amount of pushback from wasn't Rome, it wasn't unbelievers, it was the people of God who were supposed to be the ones doing the will of God. They were the ones who gave the greatest amount of pushback to Jesus because for them, they had held on to their rights, they'd held on to their comfort, they'd held on to their tenuous grip to power and didn't want to let go even at the expense of taking hold of their Messiah and doing what God created and called them to do, namely to represent Him. And I don't want to fall into that same trap. And so although we might be American citizens and although as Christians we might have the right, according to our Supreme Court, to disregard what our governor says or disregard what our city council says, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we need to first and foremost look to our Lord and our Savior and say, what would you have us do? And as Jeff and, the, and myself and the elders have sat down and prayerfully asked God, what should our posture be in the midst of this season? Here's what we've come away with. We do not want to make choices that are in the best interest of us as Christ followers when it comes at the expense of our witness to our neighbors. We don't want to make decisions that we want because we miss meeting together and we want the gathering and we want the gathering to be large and we don't want to have to have six feet between seats and we don't want to have to wear face masks while we're worshiping. We just want to be together like it was before. Can we just go back to that? And that's what we want. But we feel convicted that as members of the kingdom of God, as citizens and ambassadors of our Lord, we need to be willing to limit our freedoms for the sake of our witness and for the sake of those outside of the walls of our church. And I know that me saying that probably irritates some of you. In fact, I know that there are some who have actually left our church and gone to another church 
because that other church is disregarding the parameters that have been set down. They don't care about the tier system. They don't care about what might be happening and what our governor or our city council says. They're just going to do what they're going to do. And guys, that is, that is their choice. I am not the pastor of that church. I'm not the one making that. And I'm not going to sit here and say that they're making the wrong decision because I am not in their shoes. But as the pastor of this community of Christ followers that is situated in east side Costa Mesa, I recognize that if I'm going to make a mistake, if I'm going to err, I want to err on the side of those who need to hear the gospel as opposed to our own comfort. Because let's be honest, if you get irritated enough with the posture that we're taking, that you, go, that, that you decide to leave, you're going to go find another church. But, but for people who are outside of, of the community of Christ followers, who are outside looking in, looking at the way that we live, looking at the choices that we make, if we say we love you, but our actions suggest otherwise, then they may never be willing to step foot into this building. They may never give Christ another shot. And so if I'm going to make a mistake, if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of our witness and on those we're trying to reach, as opposed to simply trying to preserve our comfort. And guys, that's the heart of Paul's writings. If you read through any of the epistles that Paul is writing, he's constantly reminding believers, guys, we must become all things to all people so that we might win a few. We've got to make choices. We've got to limit our own freedoms. In Christ, you are free. But don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, and do not flex your freedom if it comes at the expense of causing another to stumble, if it becomes an impediment to the gospel. If that's the case, then you limit your freedoms for the sake of the gospel, because the gospel is everything. And that's the posture that we have been taking from the beginning, and it's the posture we're going to continue to take in this new year. Even if it makes you mad, even if it causes some of you to find another church, I love you, and I wish you well. But this is the posture we're going to take because all we can do is keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And all we can do is submit to our Lord, even if we don't like it. And so, I often talk about postures. I don't have a plan, but I've got some postures that I want to present us with. Postures that we're going to take that remind us who we are and what we're about. There's four of them today that I want to present us with. These are the postures that we are going to bring into the new year because I don't have a plan to give you. Posture number one is the reminder that the church is not and has never been closed. Because despite the fact that we may not be inviting everybody to come in on a Sunday morning, despite the fact that our life groups might not be meeting in person on our campus, we have got to break our mindset of the fact that this building is the church. It's never been the church. We are the church. And from the very beginning, God has called his people to live out their faith in their communities 
in their spheres of influence, to be a light where he's planted them. And guys, if this season of COVID has done anything, it's forced us to live that out. Because while we may not be gathering here, the church has never been more alive and active in our community than it has been now. I talked to Bill, and, I, and last week he shared a little bit of what has happened through Fresh Beginnings through you in the, in the ways that they've been able to reach people. Talk to Ian. He and I are, are floored by the ways in which God has used the church in Costa Mesa, the people, not the buildings, to do immeasurably more than we could have ever hoped or dreamt. And so the church is not close. It is very much open and alive because it's you. And we're going to continue to look for ways to be intentional about letting our light shine in our spheres of influence this year. Posture number two, we are going to count the cost of everything. We may not like waiting. We may want to grab hold of the freedom that our Supreme Court affords us to gather, but we are going to look at all of this from the perspective of what is the opportunity and what will it cost us? What will we get, but what would it cost us in terms of our witness? to our neighbors. We're going to count the cost, and we're not going to just count the cost to us personally, which is typically where we stop. That was the mistake that the Israelites made. No, we're going to count the cost in regards to our witness. Thirdly, we are going to hold everything loosely. Uh, one of my, my mentors uh, used to say, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. Right? There's a reason why palm trees survive in these Santa Ana winds. It's because they don't try to resist. They move with it. And we are going to be flexible. I don't know what tomorrow holds, let alone a month from now. And so here's what our plan is. We're going to study the gospel of John this year. We are going to continue to meet in life groups, probably mostly over Zoom right now. And if you're not in a life group, by the way, May I implore you, let us know. We want to get you plugged into a community, even if you have to do so over Zoom. But thank God we have the ability to continue to meet. And we need to rely upon one another. We need to do life with one another. And this is a great time for you to get plugged into a life group. So if you're not in one, please just email pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and Jeff and I will work to find a spot for you in a life group so that you can do life with some others during the season. And if we have the ability to do things like trunk or treat and VBS and a men's or a women's retreat, we will. But we're going to hold it all loosely. We're going to wait to see how God leads us. We're going to wait to see what happens because things are changing rapidly. And this brings us to our fourth, and what I would suggest is our most important posture that I'm going to encourage us to take, and that is we are going to fix our eyes firmly on our Father God, and we are going to follow His example. We're going to do so by watching and emulating the posture of Jesus as we walk through and are discipled by Him through the Gospel of John, but we're going to let God lead the way. Because quite honestly, he's way better to follow than I am, all right? He's more, way more trustworthy than I am. 
So we are going to fix our eyes on Jesus. Let me pray for us as we go into a time of response. God, I am grateful for 2020. (laughs) I'm grateful that it's behind us. I'm also grateful for what you did in and through us over the course of this last 365 days. I'm grateful for the ways that you used 2020, a year that should have been about perfect vision, to expose the cracks in our society and in our own lives. Because what we can't see, we can't begin to address. I'm grateful for the ways that you have strengthened our faith in you as you've shaken everything else in this world. Because when everything is shaken, we we tend to go looking for the thing we can hold on to that is not shaken, and we are grateful that you stand above it, you are not overwhelmed by it, you are not surprised by it, and we just fix our eyes on you. Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, we want to follow your lead so that we will not grow weary or lose heart, regardless of what this year holds. So thank you for 2020. Thank you that we have survived into 2021. And we pray, God, that you would lead the way. And we pray that we would be your representatives. At the end of the day, we invite you to help yourself to our lives. That we would live as ambassadors of hope to a world that desperately needs it. That our lives would radiate others-focused love, just like you modeled that for us. Help yourself to this community of Christ followers for your name's sake and so that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in Costa Mesa, in Orange County, just as it is in heaven. Jesus, we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Let's worship together. As we wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong
That's fine. You can clap from home. Hey, guys, we really do miss you. And I know that there are some of you watching right now. Pearl, I know that you're on right now. And Darlene and Dawn, we, we miss you. We're praying for you as you guys battle back from COVID. I know there are many of you others that are dealing with other stuff and they're heavy right now. And we don't want you to carry those things by yourself. As I know that I'm talking to my family because you typically stay all the way to the end, let me just say a few things. One. If there's any way that we can support you, we want to. If you need meals, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Pastor at Lighthouse Community, call me, call Jeff. You have our phone numbers. If you don't, pastor at lighthousecommunity.com. Let us know you need help and we will be there to help you. And if we can help carry the, the, the weight of a burden that you are praying through right now, we want to do that. Email pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and let us know what you're carrying and we will pray with you and support you in any way that we can. Furthermore, typically in January, what we will do at the very end is do a, a vision Sunday where we lay out our budget and we introduce you to our um, elder nominees and we kind of let you know about where we're headed. And we've, we're doing it differently this year because quite honestly, we can't gather together and I don't feel like it would be appropriate to do budget and stuff on a Sunday morning when we have a lot of other people watching. So what we're going to do differently is in about a week or so, I'm going to send out a, a, a link to a video specifically to the members of our church that is going to go over our budget, it's going to go over our, our elder nominees, and it's going to give you an opportunity to respond back, and then you will also have the ability to vote. And so if you want to make sure that you receive that, you need to make sure that we have your email. So again, pastor at lighthousecommunity.com and let us know you want to be on that email list. That's also how you make sure that you receive any updates that come up. Because I'm trying to, whenever there's a change, whenever we know of something going on, I send out a, an update email and I want to let you know about that. All right. Last couple of things. If you want to give... You can do so by going to lighthousecommunity.com. There's a link there. You can do that. We appreciate so much your partnership with us in this. We're so grateful, guys, for the ways that as, as hard as last year was, you were generous. And I want to thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And I want to end now with a, a verse that as we were just worshiping, it, it just came to mind, and it's from Hebrews chapter 12. I feel like this is appropriate for us to end with. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Because for the joy set before him, he was willing to endure the cross and he scorned its shame. And he ultimately sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary or lose heart. Guys, we got to keep our eyes fixed on him because if we fix our eyes on anything else, on our circumstances, on our feelings, on our discouragement, we will get overwhelmed with life. But if we keep our eyes fixed on him, not only will he lead us through this, he will use us to bring about his purpose and his plans in this world. And that is what we were created to do. So let's join him in our purpose. Have a wonderful week. I love you.